The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And this episode of Punt and Pass is presented by Prize Picks, of course. Hey, are you tired of the grind trying to win on salary cap daily fantasy, spending so much time trying to set the perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap with Prize Picks. It's just you versus the projections. They are also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries so you can go over on Jake Fromm this weekend while taking under on Matt Ryan. Prize Picks really is daily fantasy simplified, and here is what they are offering all punt and pass listeners. Download the Prize Picks app on your iPhone or Droid, Google phone, whatever you have, or go to myprizepicks.com slash info. Use the promo code PNP, that's the letter P, the letter N, and the letter P, and you will get a free two-pick entry to win 25 bucks, and they will match your first deposit 25%. So if you deposit $1,000, you will get 250 bucks in promo money, and they'll max that out at $1,000 in promo money. Again, download the Prize Picks app wherever you download apps, or go to MyPrizePicks.com dot com slash info use the promo code pnp you get a free two pick entry to win 25 bucks and they will match your first deposit 25 percent. so follow them at prize picks on twitter and instagram follow us of course at punt and pass on twitter and instagram aaron is at aaron marie 11 i am at drew butler 13 and it is a crazy great weekend in college football it is week four holler at us on social media intern christina has given away a signed football i believe she will pick the winner on sunday so somebody will have a signed football on sunday but enough of me babbling on thank you prize picks we appreciate you man it's time to get in to these week four games let's just dive right into it We are putting this episode out late on a Thursday because my man Aaron Murray is getting called up Mm. to the bigs. You are doing the 330 game on CBS, SEC on CBS. That, of course, is number 8 Auburn at number 17 Texas A&M. This should be an awesome SEC West class. You've been in College Station all day. You say the facilities out there are just on another level. 
Oh, it's incredible. The thing is, it's just everything in Texas, as we all know, is bigger. They just have so much land. I mean, it's just they have this big, beautiful facility. They got the indoor football field. Uh, the stadium was awesome, big, 102,000 people, huge locker room. Uh, the, the house that the, the Johnny weight, built. Yeah, the house that Johnny built, the weight room. I mean, it's just it's everything. I mean, they have a whole dining hall within the facility, too, as well. I mean, a big, giant ECV-like dining hall really? right in the middle. I mean, it's like what 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 more oh, could you possibly facility. want? Yeah, their football facility, That's like insane. within it, right above the locker room. Uh, I mean, there's every little detail you could possibly want. So they did a damn good job, and I think they're still going to going to continue to build because there is so much land. It's not like us at University of Georgia where there's just not a lot of places to continue to build on campus. So that's kind of the issue that they run in uh, in Athens. But it's a sweet stadium, sweet facilities. It was fun getting to see practice a little bit. Uh, it's fun seeing Jimbo interact with his players. He's a very animated coach. Uh, remi- reminds me a lot of Coach Bobo back in the day on a oh, Thursday wow. practice. Just <laughs> getting after it, uh, asking for perfection from his team before their first SEC game this weekend versus Auburn. So, man, I'm excited. We got coaches meeting tomorrow at noon. We'll get to meet with some of the players. And then we'll meet with the Auburn coaches and players tomorrow night at their team hotel. Sweet. Uh, and then 3.30, baby. It's a big one. First SEC game for both teams. First road trip for Bo Nix. Um, you know, that first game versus Oregon. Neutral site, mostly Oregon fans. So somewhat of an away atmosphere, but not really. Not like 102,000 people screaming and yelling. So interested to see what he can do. And, and also interested to see what Kellen Mond can do. Uh, after he did not play too, too well versus Clemson a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it'll be a great game. I think it's going to be a defensive kind of struggle going back and forth with both teams. Great defensive lines, great defenses overall. Both teams offensively, there are some question marks at the offensive line position uh, and question marks at the running back position and the ability to run the football. Last year, or, or Auburn only had about 18 yards, 19 yards rushing versus defense. So, I'm looking at a low-scoring SEC defensive-type game, uh, but excited to call it. Yeah, I'm excited that you're calling it. We would get more in-depth on this game if possible, but hey, what we do here on Punt and Pass, you're pretty much tied up. That's about all you can give us. Because I can't give a be, pick. You know? I, know, I, I know. I just can't tell you who I'm going to pick. I know. Game, so why do people I can break wanna, it down? People don't want to listen to you break down the game if you're not going to give them a pick. I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's one can, thing we've learned. If you on the hear podcast. my voice, I can kind of hint some things. I Absolutely. Guess, you know? Absolutely. But that is a professional breakdown. I think it'll be low scoring as well. Bo Nix going into a tough environment in College Station. I think Kellen Mond is in a great position to really kind of regain what he has been known to do or what he was aiming to do in 2019 and really help Texas A&M take that next jump forward. And when you talk about college amateurism, when you talk about student-athletes not getting paid, you said the facilities there are just insane. They've got buildings on top of buildings and so much open land, and they use the money that they have. Texas A&M is the most profitable college football program, college football program, in America with $147 million of revenue and $94 million worth of profit. So no wonder Jimbo Fisher said, peace out, Florida State. I am headed to College Station. But that 3.30 teaser for the 8 p.m. game is going to be awesome. And I thought a lot of people probably expected that 3.30 slot to be Tennessee, Florida. It usually is. That's more of a traditional 3.30 early SEC on CBS kickoff for the season. Um, But... Tennessee's Tennessee stinks. stinks. Yeah, they're not very good. We'll get to that pick in a little bit. But here's my pick for the game. 
I'm going to go with the home team. Lay the four points. Texas A&M is covering here. I'll go under 48 and a half. I think Bo Nix and Auburn don't get it going on the offensive side of the ball, but I do think Auburn's defense shows up. I think A&M covers late. A&M does win this game. I think Kellen Munns, hopefully he's healthy enough to get out of the pocket and really escape that defensive line because Auburn's front seven is no joke. But I think A&M is in a good spot here to kind of say, hey, we're the third best team in the SEC West. At this point, they'll play LSU and Alabama later on in the season. But I just think it's crazy that even though Auburn beat Oregon in week one and really put a damper in Oregon's college football playoffs hopes for later on in the season, Oregon could legitimately be the fourth best team in the SEC West at the end of the year. Think about that. If the Pac-12's Auburn best, be. yeah, if the Pac, yes, if the Pac-12's best chance to get into the college football playoff at the end of the year is Oregon, and Oregon's only loss was to the fourth best team in the SEC West, that's going to hurt on the resume at the end of the year, and that's a real possibility with a and I'm expecting to win this weekend, and then Alabama and LSU above them. So, great well, game. I, yeah, well, I think both teams kind of feel the urgency a little bit that they understand that LSU and Alabama are, are, are the top two teams in the West right now, and they know it. I mean, you could talk to them. They're not going to shy away from it. Do they want to beat those teams? Yeah, they want to beat them, but they also understand, like, they must win this football game. Yes. You can't go 0-1 Say Auburn right now. You go 0-1 in this game, and you look at yourself to play uh, Alabama. You have to play LSU. You have to play Georgia. You have to play Mississippi State. Who I think Mississippi State is a good team. So all of a sudden now Gus could be back-to-back years under four or under 500 when it comes to SEC play. So I think for him and this Auburn team, there is a huge sense of urgency that they got to get to 1-0 and this weekend with a win for A&M. Yeah, absolutely. I keep hearing you say Mississippi State's a good team. Mississippi State's a good team. So I bet Mississippi State last week, and they lost to Kansas State. Well, so. Tommy Stevens was banged up, man. Yeah. Got, it, it, they're a different football team when that guy can't play, and he was knocked out. Um, he just didn't look himself. He could not complete. He could not follow through on any of his passes. Did not look like the guy we saw in the first two weeks. So a healthy Tommy Stevens. It's a good Mississippi State team. If he can't go. Uh, and he's banged up. That backup quarterback is not – he's a good athlete but not a good thrower. Uh, then it becomes a team like we saw last year with Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback position, very yeah. one-dimensional, and they're just not going to win football games. No, no doubt. But that will be a great game. I'm excited to watch it. I know a lot of people around Athens will be glued to some TVs downtown or at tailgates before walking in to that Notre Dame-Georgia clash, which we will get to in just a little bit. But let's talk about the noon game on ESPN, Aaron. I need a pick. I know people have been tweeting me. People have been Instagram DMing me saying, what is Murray's lock of the week going to be in week four? Because he was 3-0, and and now you are 3-1. and You dropped it last week. So we got to oh, get back on the I'm horse. now. Let's talk about Tennessee at number nine, Florida. Florida's a two-touchdown favorite, laying 14 points. The over-under is set at 49. This game's in the swamp, as I just said, at noon on ESPN. I'm just going to say this right now. I'm going to get it out of the way. Tennessee sucks. Yes, they're awful. I think Tennessee covers. I think this game is close late. I think Tennessee could win. I really do. And uh, here's the reason it, why. All right. Here is the exact reason why. Jeremy Pruitt, Jim Chaney, hell, probably even Phil Fulmer has talked to this football team and said, we can right all of the wrongs if we go to Gainesville and steal one from Florida. They don't have Felipe Franks. Kyle Trask is taking over after Franks tore up his ankle and lower leg last year, which sucked to see. 
But I like Jim Chaney against Todd Grantham. I know you're high on Florida. I know you like Grantham's defense. The X factor here, of course, Jarrett Garantano, Tennessee's quarterback, who has not played well at all. Will this be his fourth bad game? Man, I hope not. I think Tennessee has a legitimate chance to keep this close. If it was in Neyland, I'd probably sprinkle something on the money line here. It's in the swamp. Tennessee is playing for their season. You talk about desperation. This is a team that needs to make it happen. They have to win the turnover battle. They have to limit third and long situations, which they've been so poor in through the first three games of the season, obviously losing to Georgia State and BYU. But Give me the 14 points here, Aaron. I think this will be a competitive game. I'm not sold on Florida. I wonder if Emory Jones will get a lot of burn at quarterback for the Gators. I don't think Garantano, Garantano it's not Tano anymore, it's Garantano, uh, is the X factor in this game. Like you said, I think it's the offensive line for, for Tennessee. Okay. You know, Just watching those guys, they're not very good up front. They're not good in the, in the run game. Uh, they've gotten a little bit better when it comes to protecting him in the pocket, but there's just no push. They just have, they do not, they've not shown me the ability to get to the second level, to get to the linebackers. You've seen games pass teams with lesser talent. Linebackers are running free in the run game. And, and that gives me no confidence because they're going against a very good front front seven of, of for the university of Florida Gators. So I, I don't even think it's on him. I think this offense line needs to play better and they just haven't shown me enough, especially going to a hostile environment like the swamp where it's going to be loud Defense line is going to have the, the ability to have a good jump off the snap count. Uh, so now that puts an offensive line who's already been struggling through three games at an even more of a disadvantage because of the crowd noise. So for that reason, I like Florida. Um, I like Florida to win, but I, I'm with you on the point. So I, I think this, I just, Florida needs to find a way to, to run the football. I, I, I do think Emory Jones is going to be a part of this offense this week. I think they have to. Uh, they got to find Dan Moore has to find creative ways to get the run game going, to keep his defense off the field, to produce some points. But still, this offense has been kind of up and down this entire season. Now you're going to be breaking in almost two fresh quarterbacks this game for their first start. So uh, you got to like Tennessee to play a little bit better defense to keep it close. But I still think Florida wins by... I don't know, 8 to 11 points. All right, double-digit win possibly for Florida. More than a touchdown, Murray will say. I think that will be an entertaining game, and it has a lot of implications for the rest of the SEC East. Just crazy to think Florida's still sitting in the top 10, squeaked out a victory over unranked and... 0-2 Miami, now they're 1-2 after beating Bethune-Cookman, and then just stole one from Kentucky a week ago. My man Chance Poor couldn't put it through the uprights from 35 yards out. The other game at noon, Aaron, a top 15 matchup in the Big Ten, number 11 Michigan, at number 13 Wisconsin. This one's at Camp Randall in Madison. Wisconsin's only a three-and-a-half point favorite here, which is a little interesting to me. The over-under set at 43-and-a-half. Wisconsin averaging 59 points per game. On defense, averaging zero points allowed per game. Michigan, not looking good. Had two overtimes to beat Army. Um, This one seems lopsided on paper, but Vegas is telling us that they think Michigan's going to keep it close. I just don't see it. I don't know. I mean, Shea Patterson can't take care of the football. That's his issue. Shea in the pocket's been – I'm not only worried about that. I think think the team's lost faith in him. I think that's the biggest thing right now. The locker room, to me, and and I've heard some rumblings up there – is, is starting to want to move on from him, move on from wow. Shea Patterson. He's had his opportunity. Uh, he hasn't produced. He's lost in some big games, and then he's he's had a lot of costly turnovers. I mean, 
they almost lost again the Air Force, where they should have dominated. That defense kept them in it the entire game. So the big question for me is going to be Jack Cohen, the, the quarterback for Wisconsin. We know Wisconsin can run the football. We know that they can play great defense. This is still a good Michigan defense, so they're going to have to find a way to throw the football to keep to keep a light box to allow Jonathan Taylor to kind of roam free and do his thing. But I like Wisconsin. I like him at home. Michigan, I just think there's a lot of negativity going on, um, and I think the team's kind of buying into it a little bit right now. I think teams sometimes can either rally when things are going bad, and it's funny, they're 2-0 for goodness sakes. Yeah. But still, it's not looking good when you want to look at the rest of the Big 12 about our Big Ten and what they look like compared to Ohio State, what they look like compared to Wisconsin, yeah. and some of these other teams, they, they're kind of seeing it. And I think that negativity has creeped into the locker room and it's creeped into their mind, especially about their quarterback, Shea Patterson. So I like Wisconsin. What's it, a three-point spread? Three and a half, three, yeah. Three and a half. Oh, that half point freaking kills me. Um, give me Wisconsin. Okay. I'll take the points, too. I, at home, like I said, I just – I've unless Lay, Laying, the, to, laying you know, the three and a half. Laying the points. Yes. Laying the three and a half. Yes. I agree with you. I, I'm almost in 1,000% agreement with you. Shea Patterson – has not proven that he can take this team to the college football playoff. And Michigan's defense is not what it was a year ago. Look, they lost Chase Winovich. They lost Devin Bush. They lost NFL talent. Still and, a good defense, though, yes. but it doesn't help with the offense. Is not helping you out at all. And I think, honestly, I really think Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, and Jim Harbaugh would have entertained the opportunity to bench Shea Patterson this week if they weren't going to Camp Randall. Their backup quarterback's Dylan McCaffrey. Look, he played in six games last year, mostly some burn time late in the game after Michigan was up big. His brother, Christian McCaffrey, for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this dude can play. He's an athlete. But sending in a guy for his first start at Camp Randall against a defense that has not allowed a point yet through two games, I don't care what competition you're playing. You're talking about playing your third stringers, your walk-ons. Not that there's any problem with that. But to not give up one point in two weeks is a serious accomplishment. I like Wisconsin here a big time. You know they're going to run the rock with Heisman Hopeful, Jonathan Taylor. I'm laying the three and a half as well. And actually, I'm going to go over the 43 and a half here. Um, I like Wisconsin here. I don't think you need to overthink this one. I think Michigan is in a tough spot. Early 11 a.m. local kick. I know those guys are used to it because they're both Midwestern teams, but holy cow, this screams Wisconsin to me, and maybe it's just public money making too much sense, but I'm going to go with it. So, Aaron, you and I are on the same side, my friend. Let's go to a little Big 12 action. Oklahoma State heading to Austin to take on number 12, Texas. Texas is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under, big number. 73. That just screams lock of the Aaron week. Murray lock of the week. That's right there. my lock of the week. What you know I it? love these I love these offenses. I'm more of a over under points kind of guy. You know, that, that's that's what I feel good in. These defenses, not very good offenses have scored, I believe it's like 49 and 42 points per game. Uh we saw what LSU did versus that that Texas defense. I think this game is gonna be it's going to be up there. It's going to be 40-something to 40-something. So uh, really, really tight. Lock of the week over 73. Yes, give me that lock, easy lock of the week. That's easy money right there, Drew. Awesome. Well, there you go. There's the Aaron Murray lock of the week to get back on the board after a disappointing Stanford showing last week in the bounce Damn house Stanford. against Damn Central Stanford. Florida. What side are you on there? Oklahoma State can sling it. Spencer Sanders, Mike Gundy, that offense can roll, like you just said, scoring 42 to 43 points 
per game, but Texas looks good as well. I feel like these are always the games that Texas drops, and then at the end of the season, you're like, damn, if they didn't blow it against Oklahoma State, they would have a real chance to get into the college football playoff. Is Texas back? If they're back, they have to win this game. Look, they gave LSU a hell of a fight. Sam Ellinger's a guy who can rally the troops. Tom Herman, hopefully he can have these boys ready to play, and they're not reading too many press clippings. But remember, they've already lost a game. I mean, their backs are up against the wall. So I think Texas wins. I'm going to ride with the home team here. I'll lay the five and a half, and obviously I'm going with my boy Aaron Murray over lock of the week, 73. Yeah, I think Texas wins this football game. What's the, what's the spread again for Texas? Five One and more a time? half. They're laying five and a half, my friend. Five and a half. Yes. I think it's a, I think it's a field goal game. So give me, um, okay, yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah, with the with the points there, I just think it's going to go back and forth. I, I just have no confidence in either defense uh, that they can go out there and do their thing. Uh, like you said, Texas at times in, in in years past have have blown games where they should have won. I think they still win this football game. Uh, I think they have enough good leadership, and I think I do think they feel kind of the the heat under their butts a little bit. Understand that hey, we already have one loss on national TV that everyone saw that football game. We got to get this ship going back in the right direction right now. Get some wins, get some confidence before we have to play Oklahoma here in the near future. So I think I like Texas to squeak it out, but I think it's going to be a really close game. A lot of points, a lot of fun. It should be a fun one to watch if you love offensive football. Uh, but I I just don't like Texas with the points. All right, so he is taking the points there on the road, Oklahoma State, plus five and a half. I'm going to ask your thoughts on one game because we didn't get your pick from the A&M-Auburn game. Utah's playing USC Friday night. USC's getting four at home. Utah's a top 10 team. USC just blew it against BYU a week ago with Keaton Slovis, true freshman quarterback, committing three turnovers. You know, I just... Aaron, I know your thoughts on Clay Helton. I know the situation in Southern Cal is dicey with no athletic director. Their gauntlet of a schedule starting now is really tough for a true freshman quarterback to continue to not turn the ball over. Look, is four points enough for you to go on USC and take those four points and think they play it close? Or is Utah's defense, which forced Zach Wilson from BYU to throw two pick sixes in week one, too stout. Kyle Whittingham, too good of a coach to let Utah drop one in the Coliseum. Oh, Utah's going to win this football game. You know, it's it's what do we call last year? If if Utah beat BYU. Transitive BYU, property. Yeah, that's what it is. And then <laughs> BYU beat USC, then obviously Utah's a better team than USC. And they there are. Defensively, Common this opponent. team is stout, um, up front, all over the place. Uh, Zach Moss at running back and Huntley at the quarterback. You, you like what they have on the skill position side as well. So I like Utah. Defense wins. And right now, I said it the first time I saw Slovis. He's a good quarterback. He's just very green right now. We saw yeah. it last week in that loss. I still don't think he's ready to win these big games um, against these really, really good defenses. So I like Utah here, and I think they win pretty easily in this game. All right. Utah laying the four. You know what? I'll blindly go with you on that one. We're pretty much on the same feeling for week four of college football. We're going to get a little deep dive into the best game of the weekend coming up here. But I agree with you. I mean, Kyle Whittingham knows that Utah's only chance to make it to the college football playoff is win the Pac-12, meaning they have to win the Pac-12 South, and they got to go through USC to get there. USC's in a tough spot, man. You know there cannot be too much confidence in that locker room right now. Who knows what's being said in Southern Cal at this point. But I just can't take a true freshman, Keaton Slovis, over that defense, which just forces turnovers. And when you force turnovers, the 
outcome of the game is going to be tilted heavily in your favor. So I'll lay the four there as well. All right, here it is, game of the week. Let's do a little deep dive here, Murray. I know this is what everybody has been waiting for in Athens for probably a couple years now, and they are expecting 250,000 people to be in Athens on Saturday. I'll be mm-hmm. one of those. I'll be there with Jackie. We're going to have a great time. But number seven, Notre Dame is coming in to take on the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is now a 14 and a half or 15 point favorite wherever you shop. The over-under is 57 and a half or 58 points. This game kicks off at 8 p.m. on CBS. This is the latest kickoff ever in Stanford Stadium history. So, unbelievable atmosphere. Really a clash of a national brand which is Notre Dame, and a very powerful regional brand, which is now becoming a national brand, I would say, that is Georgia. Obviously, this game two years ago was huge. Georgia won 20-19 to in 2017. Rodrigo Blankenship kicked the field goal, got the scholarship after the game, which really catapulted Georgia towards their SEC championship year and national championship appearance. But the matter of fact is this. Brian Kelly and Notre Dame need this win in the mm-hmm. worst way possible. They laid an egg in the national championship game in 2012. They got absolutely smoked by Clemson last year in the Cotton Bowl, which was a college football playoff semifinal game, 30-3. to And there are all the statistics in the world that would point to Georgia absolutely whooping Notre Dame's ass. There are all the statistics in the world that would point to Notre Dame laying a complete egg. And the funniest thing that I heard all week was our head coach, Georgia's head coach, Kirby Smart, saying, quote, stats are misleading. I wouldn't look too much into them, unquote. That's like the greatest coach speak ever because I don't know what coaches you played for, Aaron, outside of Coach Rick. Coaches love statistics, and they love to play into statistics. I think the best stat here is Georgia's the eighth-best rushing team in America, and Notre Dame has the 120th-ranked rushing defense. I don't care who you've played through three weeks of football. If the spread is that big on a rushing offense versus rushing defense, and the spread is big enough to notice like Georgia's offensive line average weight versus Notre Dame's offensive line, defensive line, excuse me, average weight, you better believe Georgia's going to go in there and run the ball down their throats for 60 minutes. But I know for a fact you think it might be a little different, and Jake Fromm could spread it out a little bit. I don't think it's going to be different. I think that Georgia's going to come in there with that mentality. I would love to see, though, them throw throw the ball around, because I think I do think at some point this year they're going to have to. Yeah. I think in this game they're going to be put in situations that – First and second down, they don't get it done, and it's a third and medium, say third and six to ten, and they're going to have to pass the ball. So we're going to get, we are going to see what these receivers are made of. For let's, sure. Let's not be, let's not or fake ourselves out here thinking that they're going to run the ball and only throw it fifteen times. They're going to have to throw the ball twenty-two to twenty-seven times in this football game if they're going to want to win it. So Jake, Jake doesn't get the night off. Jake doesn't get to go chill on prime time here. We will finally see. Are these receivers legit? Yes, they look awesome in some of these games against lesser opponents, making great catches and diving and one-handed and all this other cool stuff. But can they get it done against a defense with good athletes going against them? So I'm interested to see that matchup. Will Georgia dominate the line of scrimmage? Yes. They will dominate the line of scrimmage against pretty much everyone they face this entire season. They're that good and that big up front and that, and that physical. 
Um, but I'm, I'm going to be looking for the outside to see these young receivers and what they got. So I like Georgia to win this football game. Um, I think they're going to wear them out. I do. I think by the end of the third quarter, it's going to start to get away from Notre Dame a little bit. I think they're going to force a turnover. Ian Book's going to try to do too much. Uh, and they win this game and give me the points as well. Yeah, I mean, lay the points. I, I think lay the 14 and a half, lay the 15. Do whatever you need to do. Georgia's winning this game. Unless Ian Book has an absolutely outrageous performance against Georgia's defense. And let's be honest, mobile quarterbacks have had absolutely outrageous performances against Georgia defenses in the past. Look no further than what Sam Ellinger did a year ago, less than a year ago, in the Sugar Bowl. I know the optics were different. I know the situation was completely different. There was really nothing to play for, even though I would never tell you that. As a former player, I'm going to ask you a question, though, as a fan. All right, let me put my fan cap on, okay? And I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Georgia is a two-touchdown favorite, right, Aaron? Georgia is playing at home. Notre Dame is 1-17, in against top five opponents since 2000, and 0-4 against top five opponents under Brian Kelly, with three of those four losses being by 14 or more points. If Georgia were to lose this game at home, with everything going for them from a dominant rushing attack, a much bigger offensive line, way better roster, tons more depth, what would it mean for a Georgia fan that has gone through the national championship game overtime 26 to 23. Uh, what would it mean for the Georgia fan who was at the SEC championship game last year? Jalen Hurts comes in, leads Alabama back, and you don't get to go to the college football playoff for the second year. What would it mean for the Georgia fan that had high hopes to go to the college football playoff last year, spend a bunch of money, went to New Orleans, and watch Georgia get their ass kicked by Texas? What would that do? For the psyche of the fan, for the future of this team, again, it's not going to happen. Georgia's going to dominate this football game. And as a fan, I'm telling you that the fans and this team and the university deserve that. Prove a point, man. Prove a point. Whoop their ass and say we are here for real. It's like what Alabama did to Georgia in 2008, right? You were on that team. I was on that team. You put the black jerseys on. Georgia's ranked number three. Late kick. College game day. 31-0 at halftime. Georgia's getting blown out. Guess what? Alabama has been dominant since that point. Is this that point for Georgia football? I know you were in the national championship game two years ago. Maybe it was the Notre Dame game in 2017 that that was that point. But what is the point for Georgia to say, hey, we're here. On a national scale, there is no better opportunity than Saturday night with the college football world watching you in Athens. Screw the blackout. Screw everything else. Line up 60 minutes. DeAndre Swift, Zeus White, James Cook, Jake Fromm, everybody. Put your hand in the pile. Hashtag it takes what it takes. Whatever you want to say, Murray. This is their opportunity, and I look forward to being there, and I look forward to saying, hey, that was a lot of fun. 2019 should be a hell of a year. Yeah, um, this is their opportunity. I mean, there's no – everything this weekend is lining up for the perfect weekend for Georgia football, the fans. I mean, it's 8 o'clock CBS, game day's there, Notre Dame's in town. I mean, it's, it's 
It's oh, fun. It's, it's fun. It's awesome. This is going to be a weekend that people talk about for a long, long time. And, and I just don't think George is a team that's going to back down from this or, or shy away from the moment. I think Jake Fromm and Kirby Smart live for these opportunities, and those are the two guys you need to lead you. You need a great head coach who's confident, and you need a quarterback that's not scared of the moment. And Jake yeah. has shown us over and over again that he's not scared when the lights are the brightest. So that gives me confidence that this team is really focused. They're very determined, uh, no BS, and they're going to go out there and dominate. So I, I would stink if they lose this game. Heck yeah. It sucks, oh, but, yeah, I mean, that would it, be brutal. Does it, derail their, does it derail their season? No. No. It doesn't derail, derail their season like it does Notre Dame. Notre Dame loses this. They can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Georgia loses this game. They're still in it because you went out and you win the SEC championship game. You're still in the playoffs. We all know it. So does it mean a lot? Yes. Do you want to keep winning? Yes. Would this be a good opportunity for them to show the country how good they are and to give Swift or Fromm or uh, I think one of those two are pretty much the two guys that have a chance to be in New York, possibly at the end of the season. This is their good chance for them to show everyone how good they are as football players as well. So big night for a lot of people. Uh, and I, like I said, I don't think Georgia scared the moment. No. I think they're ready to go. You're totally right. And the one thing that gives me a bunch of faith and I think should give Bulldog Nation a bunch of faith is the fact that, and we'll just call it what it is, the things that were happening at the end of Coach Rick's tenure at Georgia aren't happening anymore, right? When you go up to Notre Dame and win that game, and then two weeks later you have Mississippi State at 4 p.m. in Athens and everybody's sitting there going – Oh, shit, here it comes. Here comes the game where we're going to be let down, right? Georgia wins 31-3 to going back to 2017. And then you turn around and you go to Knoxville and everybody's going, oh, man, here it goes. We always have trouble in Knoxville when we have a chance to win the SEC East. Nope, 41 to nothing. And then you go to Jacksonville and everybody's biting their fingernails. What are we going to do? We're undefeated. What happened last time we were undefeated in Jacksonville? We lost. Terrence Edwards drops the pass. Nope. 42 to 7 total ass kicking. Yes, they dropped the game versus Auburn, but then they got a second chance in the SEC Championship and absolutely dominated that game. They followed it up in 2018 with dominant performances against SEC East teams. They're always prepared. Granted, they've lost 3 games in SEC West stadiums which we've talked about, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU a year ago. This team is Kirby Smart's best team. I think everybody, when Kirby Smart took this job over and started recruiting the way he recruited, pointed to the 2019 season, and you knew the schedule. You knew Notre Dame was coming to town. You know Texas A&M will be here late. You know you got to go to Auburn at the end of the season. It is what it is. It takes what it takes. I think Georgia's in a great spot, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I will get off my passionate high horse. I will sit back and put my correspondent slash analyst slash podcast hat back on and tell you this. Georgia's going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Georgia's defense should have a field day with Ian Book. I'm sure, Aaron, that they will have a spy on him to make sure that he does not turn bad plays good and good plays great with his legs. And it should be out of hand by the start of the fourth quarter. When light up Sanford starts and those cell phone cameras come out, Georgia should have this completely put away. I want to ask you this. Jake Fromm will be at the team hotel Friday night. Everybody will be a little bit nervous, and you'll have the butterflies after Kirby gets done talking because you know. I mean, college game day is there. Campus is already a buzz. I'm sure nobody in the state of Georgia worked today, Thursday. Hell no, nobody's working tomorrow. Everybody nope. is fired up for this weekend. What do you say to the team? Aaron Murray, Jake Fromm, starting quarterback. 
this is it, man. What do you say to the team Friday night to just say, hey, guys, let's go get it? That's it. We've been there. We've prepared. We've prepared uh, this entire offseason. There's nothing more for us to do, and there's nothing to worry about. They're, they're literally at this point and this time Friday night before the game, this these butterflies in your stomach, that's excitement. Yeah, that's man, knowing that that's you're going to go sign. out there and dominate the football game. That's showing us and your team that you care that much that you're feeling the juice and the excitement already on Friday night and you're ready to go for tomorrow. So use that energy, bottle it up, and let's go out there and kick some ass. I mean, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, There's no I, reason to be scared, boys. Let's go out there and have some fun. And you We're know a better what? football team, and we know we are. Totally. You just hit the nail on the head at the end of your statement right there. Look to your left, look to your right. Five stars, four stars, ass kickers. Let's go out there and make it happen. I don't care if Notre Dame hasn't allowed 30 or more points in their last 16 contests, which is tied for a national record right now for active streaks. Georgia's going to score more than 30 points on Saturday night, and I doubt Notre Dame eclipses the 20-point mark. I think this is a 35-38-14 to to type game. I think it might even be 42-17 to type game. I know Kirby wants to make a statement here, and I know the players do as well. So, that's that. Georgia should win big. Aaron and I are both telling you lay the 14 and a half, lay the 15. Maybe if you wait until Saturday, it'll creep back down towards 14, depending on the action. But this is going to be a blast. And if you see me walking around, holler at me, punt and pass. Aaron will be watching you on TV. But before we go, I'm looking at the prize picks projections right now, and I will absolutely be hammering the prize picks app on Saturday while I'm in Athens. Jake Fromm projected 17 fantasy points. Obviously, right there, they're expecting a lot of running. I think I'd go over those 17 points on prize picks for Jake Fromm. I think he throws a couple touchdowns. I'm maybe on that one. I I think he throws two touchdowns, at least in this football game. All right. Ian Book, Notre Dame's quarterback, 22.9 projected fantasy points. That's a lot. They're expecting him to... There are only chances for him to have a big game. Yeah, he needs a big game or maybe a late touchdown, like a throwaway touchdown when the game's out of hand. Um, I'd go under, though. I, I see a, a a fumble or interception occurring at some point during that football game for him. Joe Burrow, LSU's quarterback, who is just absolutely on fire right now. They're playing Vanderbilt. He has projected 27 fantasy points on prize picks. I think I'd go under there. I, I think they really get off to a fast start, run the ball, and then maybe even take Burrow out in the second half. I'd go under 27. I'm going under, too. I don't think he's going to play the whole game. And plus, teams usually tend to play a little slow at Vandy. It's 11 o'clock kickoff for those guys, I believe. So, um, I'm not saying it's going to be sloppy, sloppy, but I, I don't think it's going to be as crisp as we saw versus Texas a couple weeks ago. Um, so I think they, they start off slow, get some touchdowns, maybe a couple rushing touchdowns, maybe a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. Um, and then he's not playing into the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, he's out of there. So does not get, to, he'll still have a good game, two or three touchdowns, but not enough to get him that 27 points. All right, and then the last one that we'll talk about, Tua Tungavailoa, Alabama starting quarterback. They're playing Southern Miss this week, and he has projected 30.7 points. I'll just tell you right now, take the over, because he just throws screens, and these guys are taking it 75 yards to the house. You got to go over 30.7 for Tua Tungavailoa, and then obviously check back on Sunday. Prize picks, NFL projections are great for your picks. So Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PNP to get that free $25 two-pick entry. All right, Aaron, it's been great. Uh, good luck this weekend. Anything on the way out, my man? No, man, I'm pumped. It's going to be a fun weekend. A lot of good football games. Last weekend, 
not not a complete snoozer, but definitely not as exciting as oh, what we're yeah. about to see here in, in, in a couple of days. So, man, I'm excited. Going to make sure I get some good, got my melatonin so I Perfect. sleep well these next two nights and uh, get ready to go for a fun weekend. Perfect. To recap, punt, pass, and pick through three weeks. I am 15-4-1 against the spread. Aaron is 13-6-1 against the spread. The boys are hot. We're both taking Tennessee plus 14. We're both taking Wisconsin minus 3.5. Utah minus four, Georgia minus 14 and a half or 15. I'll lay the points. Texas A&M should win at home. And then we are split on Texas and Oklahoma State. We both say Texas is going to win. I'm laying the five and a half. Murray likes the points with Oklahoma State getting five and a half. And Murray's lock of the week, over 73 in that Texas-Oklahoma State game. Thanks so much to Prize Picks. Follow them at Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com slash info. Use the promo code PNP. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Punt and Pass. Follow Aaron at Aaron Murray 11 and follow me at Drew Butler 13. Thanks for hanging around. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you on Monday. See you.